0: hello welcome back i'm caitlin and i'm emily we're the executive directors and co-founders of atx tv and you're listening to the tv campfire this week and coming up through the end of 2021 we're releasing exclusive and original conversations from our season 10 festival that premiered in june 2021 Please enjoy this week's release and tune in both here and on youtube.com backslash ATXTV for even more TV goodness. Without further ado, here's this week's TV Campfire episode from season 10 of ATX
1: TV Festival. Enjoy. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us for ATX Television Festival Season 10. I'm Emily Gibson, one of the co-founders of the festival, and we are reaching the end of Monday. But this is the type of Monday that I can get behind because we've gotten to hang out and talk TV with you all day. So let's just keep going with that a little bit longer. I have to say, I was nervous to meet Tom Fontana for the first time when he came to ATX a few years ago, mainly because the characters he creates can be a little intimidating, scary, terrifying. Yet he is one of the kindest people I've met, and we are so grateful to him for being part of the ATX family and agreeing to let us host this Oz retrospective. As you know, our mission at ATX TV is to celebrate, celebrate great television, and it can be argued the golden age of TV started with Oz. It elevated the one-hour drama to a whole new level and paved the way for the next generation of premium cable series. With that, I'm going to hand it over to our moderator, Eric Deggins of NPR, to let him take it away.
2: Eric? Hey, uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate this. And welcome, everyone, to the 2021 ATX Festival's panel discussion with cast and producers from HBO's pioneering prison drama, Oz. I'm Eric Duggins, TV critic for National Public Radio and a long time Oz fan here. And uh, we've got a murderer's row, no pun intended, of actors and producers from the show. So the show itself, I think is about a month away from his 24th birthday as we take this. So we got a lot to talk about. Let's first say hi to our panelists, creator, writer, and executive producer, Tom Fontana. Tom, welcome. Mm-hmm. Star and director, Terry Terry Kinney, who played Tim McManus. Hello. Star Lee Turgeson, who played Tobias Beecher. (laughs) Dean Dean Winters, who played Ryan O'Reilly.
3: Hola.
2: Harold Perrineau, who played uh, Augustus Hill. And Kirk Acevedo, who played Latino gang leader Miguel Alvarez. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Great to be here. So I'm going to start this out with a blast from the past. I don't know. Did you guys ever see this book that came out (laughs) right when the show um, uh, (sighs) concluded? And uh, HBO sent it to me. This is how long I've been covering television. HBO sent it to me. When the show concluded i'm so bummed that i'm not there in person because i would make every one of you sign it but when you look at this picture look at these young guys can you see that uh what do you think when That's you funny, look at and, <laughs> and you see you see that picture you young guys looking all tough <laughs> Tough.
3: That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> very
4: tough.
3: Man. I said looking.
5: <laughs> you know the, tough, the toughest looking one was is Amon Walker, and he's still pretty tough. So <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: That's very true. So so you guys were the first uh, original drama series on HBO, um, and the series finale uh, aired, I guess, uh, about eighteen years ago, and that so that's enough time for us to get some perspective. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, and this is for all of you, not just Tom. I'm sure he's going to take the question first. How do you think Oz changed television? I mean, can you look at modern shows that are on TV now and see sort of the C's, the DNA of what you guys were doing on the show back then?
5: Well, I, I will start. I, I, I'll say this. I don't think um, I don't think Oz changed television except in one regard in that um, HBO trusted me as the writer and producer of the show to make the show I wanted as opposed to the show they thought they wanted. And um, I think that gave permission to David Chase to do Sopranos, Alan Ball to do Six Feet Under. So it's less about narratively, I think, and and I'm sure all of them are gonna disagree with me, but I think it's more about about that, we took a chance, and and it allowed. It has allowed other people to make programming that uh, and TV shows that that take a chance.
6: I mean, I, I I'm going to jump in here. I mean, I, you know, Tom Tom is the most humble guy in the room. But I, you know, it's you know these days when you when you when you watch the landscape of television and movies, and a lot of people are kind of patting themselves on the shoulder, saying, "We're so diverse. We're so diverse." But there wasn't a show before Oz that had a lead Muslim character, that had a lead gay character, that had a lead um, you know uh, 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 handicapped character. I mean, Tom broke down more barriers than anyone's ever known, and it gets I you know I mean I know that I think I'm speaking for the rest of us. We were all so proud to be a part of this, and when we when we started on this journey, we had no idea what was going on, but you know. Um, <laughs> Now, now, twenty four years later, you know, you 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 see all these people now talking about diversity and this that, and I think that everyone in Hollywood needs to take a pause for one second and literally just kind of pay attention to Tom Fontana, who literally opened the floodgates for whatever whatever show you're watching now. Tom Fontana is responsible for that show, pretty much. Here, so here.
3: Yeah, Bruce.
6: Yep. Wait yeah. a minute. I don't think I want responsibility for all the shows that are on television right now. <laughs> <laughs> on you. The, the, the real house of Atlanta, Tom. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's all on you. <laughs> I, you I'm,
2: personally, I'm personally blaming Tom for the fact that we have nine Dick Wolf shows on like <laughs> the two different networks. So that's, oh, no. that's, that's <laughs> your really
4: yeah. Can't blame him for that.
3: Uh, and but but you wait, know, also, before you move on, I'm just going to okay. jump in really quick. And I know he said he didn't change TV. I'm just going to have to say it because anytime anybody ever asked me, it's the first thing I say, 100 percent Tom Fontana changed the way that we watch television today. Like, I don't care really what he's saying about like like him <laughs> being able to do the show that he wanted. That changed the landscape of television, I, I, I think, forever. Like now people get to tell these stories that they weren't getting to tell before. Uh, you know, what Dean was saying with diversity is there. Storytelling is there. Taking chances there, and nobody was doing that before Tom Pontana, and changed the entire game, and that—that's that's what I fully believe.
2: Yeah. I mean, I
3: HBO to... on
2: its website cites uh, Boardwalk Empire, The Night of, and Game of Thrones as uh, TV shows that were inspired in part by us. So I, I, I,
6: I did—I I did a show uh, seven years ago that was canceled after a little while called Battle Creek. And it was Vince Gilligan's second show after Breaking Bad. And I was sitting on the set with Vince Gilligan, and he told me he was a college student in Virginia, and that he became a writer because of watching Tom Fontana's work on Homicide, and that he made Breaking Bad because he thought he could get away with it after watching Oz, period. Okay, I'm starting to think like this is my
5: funeral. (laughs) (laughs) I miss him, I miss him. (laughs)
7: <laughs> and, but not only that there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of other shows like Lock Up Raw, Prison Break, The Orange is the New Black. None of those shows would have came to fruition without Tom Fontana doing Oz. You know what we what we filmed uh, back then like 20 years ago, my God, they still don't sh- they still graphically don't show and do, and go to places that we did back then. To this day, you know, right. people look at Game of Thrones and they go, "Oh my God, it's so graphic!" It's, it's not compared to Oz. Not really. No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And Terry, I wanted to ask you. I mean, hey, you're I not this? just like cast member.
8: Wait, oh,
4: wait. sir, <laughs> <laughs> come
2: on.
8: <laughs> that when back then there was three networks in Fox, right? <laughs> and the I I the balls to write something like this, that was that was nobody knew what how people were going to take it. You know, we were all out there with you know with literally with our dicks in our hands going, let's see what happens. But you know Yeah, you literally had your dicks in
2: your hands. But anyway,
5: literally
8: literally. (laughs) now everybody. Just the courage to write something like that. It you know, it
3: it made way for everybody. Hey, do you guys remember the first season when we would film stuff and then we would do the extra take for television? And then uh, after, yeah. after, after, after these shits in JK space, we all go like, we're never going to be on television. television. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, no. for the, air, for the airplane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You ever yeah, actually cool. use that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I,
5: uh, it was like, Otto had a scene. Uh, they said, you got, you got to shoot this for airplanes. And I was like, it's never going to work. We could, all we would be able to show is sister Peter Marie. And, <laughs> and, um, and they said, shoot a scene, shoot a scene. So we, I picked the worst scene we could possibly do with Ottawali uh, going like, "Fuck you, you, blah blah blah, cocksucker, blah blah blah, blah blah Swear word, swear word, swear word. And then I said, okay, let's shoot the 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 airplane version. And he said, hey, now, <laughs> and, 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 and and HBO went, all right, we got it, forget about it.
6: No, I, I hold, I hold the tongue. Remember, I think the final straw was what um, I uh, was when Lee was taking a shit in J.K.'s face, right? And Tom Fontana comes over to me. He goes, "It, it wasn't scripted." He goes, "Say he's shitting in his face." Face, so I- <laughs> and that was the end of the clean notes rage. <laughs> Oh
2: man, <laughs> you guys must have given the 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 uh, the censor at uh, at HBO
5: a fucking heart attack. Well, um, I'll tell you the goddamn go is truth. Um, yeah. In six years, we got three notes from uh, HBO.
3: Wow, do you remember what and they I, were? I, and,
5: and I told them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did the three notes because I figured if you get. If you get one note every two seasons you might as well do what they asked.
2: <laughs> do you remember what they said?
5: One was about it was a scene, it was a flashback, I don't remember whose whose character and he was pointing a gun at children and they the note was can you can you cut it can you cut 2 seconds out of the pointing the gun at the children. They didn't say cut the pointing the gun at the children. They said just cut 2 seconds out of it. I was like sure yeah I don't know.
2: Yeah. So that, like that. that. That's somebody justifying their sorry, I think, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, but Terry, I wanted to ask you, I mean, in addition to being a cast member, you also directed episodes. And so I wonder, like, when you were working on the show in particular, um, did you have a sense that you were doing something different that you were making TV history in the way that you ultimately did?
4: Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, we First of all, the number of pages we tackled a day was was something that I don't think anybody was doing at all back then. I don't know if they're doing it now. Uh, We were shooting 10, 12 pages of dialogue with 20 speaking characters sometimes, you know? We kept doing passing shots, and we just had to be very creative and do very uh, few takes. Uh, The advantage was we were were 100% handheld, and we were uh, almost 100 percent, right, Tom? You know, every yeah. once in a while, the dolly would come out, and Tom would say, "What's going on?" <laughs> you know? um, but uh, we were pre-lit, and you know, for what that's worth, you you have to still do a little lighting, but um, but with the the overhead lighting, we we had that advantage as well. Um, so yeah, but the style was. Well, Tom told me this in our tone meeting the the first time I directed, and it turned out to be the truest thing he ever said to me. We have everything you need, except time and money. (laughs) (laughs) So so that was, (laughs) knowing that you go in and you do, and my first day ever, (laughs) I, I decided to do this very ingenious thing, I'm being very facetious, um, where there were two, I had two scenes left, but I only had 15 minutes left in the day. There was a very strict rule, seven wow. to seven every day. Wow. And if you showed up at 7.01, that's your first warning, by the way, we can talk about lateness later. You wondered why all the characters <laughs> died? <laughs> well, lateness was a big part of it. Um, <laughs> and um, and ultimately, uh, so so there, there were both scenes, it was Lee, and it was Amen, and they were in two cells praying, one Christian praying, one Muslim praying above him. And I said, get the crane out. Get the crane out. We're just gonna, we're just gonna be upstairs and then come downstairs. It's one shot. We got it. Well, you know, they started loading the counterweights and all of a sudden it's ten after seven, seven fifteen, mm. and we're not getting the shot. And I'm standing there going, come on, come on. And I hear someone whispers in my right ear, you're making me regret my decision. (laughs) And I turned around and Tom was walking away. (laughs) Uh, So...
2: The next night, I I wrapped at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. So um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up this book one more time because um, in the in the dedication to it, uh, Tom actually dedicates this book to the actors of Oz, and he says, um, "quote They have balls for days." Is what he says in the dedication so i'm wondering tom if you could tell me about uh the ballsiest thing that you asked one of these guys to do and then i want to hear the story from their perspective
5: wow um hmm. oof, That's woof. well I- I'll, I'll 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 tell this story as quickly as i can um <laughs> um like the ballsy thing wait a minute now i'm trying to really think i'm looking at their faces just they're all think going, about Lee. Please please don't call <laughs> on me. I was,
2: I was going to keep the uh, Nazi tattoo on the ass in my back pocket in case you couldn't think of anything.
5: uh, For for Beecher, the moment when he uh, had to give um, uh, one of the Aryan brothers uh, a blowjob and he bit off the tip of his penis. I picked two. And, too. <laughs> and, and, and and then later had to spit out the tip so we could see it. I think you spit it in the sink or something, if I'm if no, correct.
8: Nick Gomez had the greatest idea, which was, hot dog. It was like, as we closed the little window into solitary, I just want you to find like a little piece of penis up in your gums and just spit it out right before. Oh, me. God! And it was it was a hot dog, wasn't it? Piece of a hot dog. It was something. a piece of a hot dog. Yeah. Every,
2: everything yeah. was hot dog. So because now, by, but by Brian that time, had you had you asked Lee to do so much that that didn't seem out of the ordinary, or was that really like a big thing to ask of him?
5: Um, no, no. I mean, Lee and I had worked together before, so he uh, he was already like prepared for me to ask the worst of him. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know, Lee. What did that particular one bother you more than well, any they, of the they, other they, things you had to do? It was, again, on paper, it didn't seem so
8: bad. But then you realize you're, like, having to grab this guy's ass. And also, actually, the worst part of it was at the beginning of every year, we would, I mean, at the end of every year, we would show the first episode at a big rap party. Oh, and so, we're, everybody's, like, packed into this sports bar somewhere. And I'm like, okay, great, show's going to start. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to, Bite off! I got to get out of here. And I start to like make my way towards the door because I figure everybody's going to go, Oh, what the-? but then as I got to the door, uh, it happened and the crowd went crazy. So then <laughs> I was sort of like, all right. Sick,
2: That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Do but any of the other guys I have stories. any uh, stories I, I, about what uh, Tom made you do?
6: <laughs> I'll tell, t- I'll, I'll tell a quick story and, and, uh, and all, and everyone in the cast hated me for six years, but, um, in the third episode, I had to do the thing where I, I got thrown into the, in, into the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, no one had been naked on the show. Harold had been naked jumping off of the, um, uh, in the first episode, running away from the law. But right. like, it was kind of like, a, it was like a dark, you know, it was dark outside. So I'm getting ready to go into the, into the hole in our, in our prison um, uh, uh, guy was Richard Stafford. What was his name? Stratton, who remembers? Richard, Richard Stratton, yeah, he was—he was like he was our, our, our consultant. He takes me to the side. He goes, "Hey, Dean." He goes, "You know, in maximum security prisons, when they throw you into the hole, you, you have to go in naked." And I was like, "I was like, what?" He goes, "Yeah, you you have to go in naked." So I I go to Tom Fontana. I said, "Look," I said, "Richard Stratton just said that you know when you go in the hole, you got you got to be naked." And Tom's like, "Are you willing to do that?" And I was like well, I, I don't want to do it, but I, I'm going to do it because I mean, I'm trying to stay true to the character and, and the show. So I did it, and we shot that episode. It was freezing on the stage, and I'm Irish, so do the math. Anyway, <laughs> cut to- I was going to say a likely
2: excuse, but anyway.
6: <laughs> so, 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 so cut to now every character on Oz for the next six years that goes into a hole has to be naked. Okay. Right? That's the rule. Because he did it, right? At the rap party, after the sixth season, Richard Stratton says to me, hey, remember that thing about being naked in the hole? I go, yeah. He goes, I was just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just
2: watched that yesterday. I just watched that yesterday. Oh. And, it remi- and it reminded me of still how little we see full frontal nudity of males on television. Um, even, even in, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you did it. You killed it. Thanks. (laughs) So, so I had to tell this story like, um, uh, years ago I visited the set of the closer and, uh, and I met JK and, um, and, and I was talking to him about the closer of course, but then I also talked to him a little bit about Oz and he was telling this story about coaching his kids, little league team, I think. And I was thinking to myself, if I was a parent and I showed up with my kid and Schillinger was coaching Little League, <laughs> I think I'd have a heart attack. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, the uh, the guys in the cast, did you ever have any situations where the public uh, awareness of your character sort of spilled over into your actual life? And people reacted to you the, uh, as if they were reacting to your character instead of who you actually are.
4: Yeah. They still yeah. do. I mean, it, it's interesting because I, I a lot of, I didn't realize that HBO was so, so big in the prison system, but, um, but it is. And um, I, I've had so many people come up to me and say, I wish you were my warden. And, you know, and they think <laughs> I'm a real warden. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, the compassion that my character uh, showed for the, for the, uh, Inmates, uh, they, 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 they felt lacking in the real prison system. So that's happened a lot. I
3: I remember being in a in a store once. I walked into a store to buy. It's a little corner store. I walked in the store to buy something, and there was a bunch of uh, dudes. You know, like youngish dude. And there was one guy who was clearly the leader of those dudes. And he uh, he walked up to me. He said, "Yo, what's up?" I was like, oh, "What's up?" He's like. You on that show, Oz, right? I was like, uh, "Yeah, I am." And he like kind of leaned in and was like, "People don't know unless they know, right?" I was like, "I mean, I don't actually know. I mean, it's not, it's not TV, but I, I imagine what you're saying is true."
2: He <laughs> didn't actually say all of that, did you?
4: I was
6: <laughs> no, 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 like, no. No, no, I got the fuck
4: out of there because
6: you scared me. <laughs> uh, awesome. I remember, I, I, remember I, was, I was with Lee. Lee and I were at an event.
7: Oh, my God.
6: We, and we were in a bathroom, and, and Chuck, D, Chuck D from Public Enemy came into the bathroom, and he saw us, and he, go, he looked around, and very quietly, he goes, you guys got it right, and he walked out.
5: Mm. Um, wow. I just up. want to know what the two of you were doing in the bathroom
3: together. <laughs> <laughs> we were peeing. peeing. Oh yeah, peeing. Right. Peeing. Right. You, you know, Tom, I wasn't going to ask yeah. that because you know, we had already talked about him biting
2: some guy's <laughs> dick off. So I really didn't want to. I really do not want to go there. But um, so, so, Kirk, I wanted to ask you. I, I saw an interview where you said um, that the biggest difference and working on Oz and working on other TV shows that you've been on, was that Tom would sit you down um, at the end of every season and sort of ask you how you thought it went and what you wanted to see your character uh, go, where you wanted to see your character go in the future and that that affected some of the future storylines that you got. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and also what it felt like to kind of move from being a recurring character to being uh, one of the show stars from the first to the second season.
7: And I think everybody, At the end of the season, I think all of us, Tom would sit all of us down and said, Hey, you know, how was the season for you as your character? And where do you think it could go? And, you know, one of the things I brought up was that, you know, I grew up in the South Bronx. So I was always the kid that I grew up in a Latino or black neighborhood. So, but I looked white, but I wasn't. (laughs) And so it was, it was an issue at times, you, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I told that to Tom and that was one of the things he implemented into the storyline with when El Cid came in about me being too white to run the gang, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I'm sure all these guys could attest that other shows that we've been on, showrunners don't ask us uh, how is our character, what we'd like to do different, they don't ask at all. You right. know, Tom is one of the only guys that cares. And he's uh what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's it's collaborative. It yes, exactly. And uh, so I appreciate that so much about Tom.
3: And, yeah.
5: uh, well you you have you have to remember at a certain point I've run out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it
8: comes to, you know, this is the second season, Tom.
5: <laughs> I, that's I was a
8: long career.
5: After, after Lee shit on Chillinger's face, I had nothing, <laughs> I had nothing left.
8: Like, I won. I won.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I, I would argue by getting that on television, you didn't need to do anything else. That was <laughs> <laughs> you
7: know the funny thing about auditioning with Alexa Fogo, who cast, she cast side also, right, Tom?
5: Now. Um, no, somebody else did. I can't remember his name. Oh, Rex and Lou, and Lou, Lou, Lou. Uh, Lou Oh, gosh, Lou Giammo.
7: But so Alexa Pogo saw me in a play and uh, a Sam Shepard play. And she was like, okay. She called up my people and said, I have this, this new uh, HBO show and it's about prison, and blah, blah, blah. Would I come in an audition? And then someone, it got word got out that Tom, uh, the creator, wrote this Latino part for, for someone else. He had somebody else in mind. And so typical me is like, well, why the fuck am I going in if it's, <laughs> if it's for somebody else? You know, and we've all been in that situation. So, you know, worked on the material, we go in and there's like 10 people in the room. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I'm like number nine on the list. And so the doors are so thin and I'm listening to every actor go in. And it was a real emotional, volatile scene. And everyone is doing it exactly like that. And so I'm thinking, if I just go in and do the same fucking thing that everybody else is doing, even if it's good, I'm gonna be bored of hearing it. So I did something (laughs) that I normally don't do, actually don't do, is I just did a 180 and changed. And I normally don't do that. I usually don't pay attention to other actors going in, but they were just yelling and screaming. And, And I just did it the polar opposite just did it really small and still and nuanced. And I got a call back and I uh, met with Tom. And then I got another call back and met with uh, the directing producer at the time. Uh, I forgot her name, but uh,
3: oh. uh, Darnell. yes. Darnell. And
7: it, it worked out. And so, and you know, That's amazing.
2: I love that. I love that story. man.
7: Well, thank oh. you for not hiring the other guy, Tom.
8: Fuck that guy. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
8: Although now that he knows that that was your choice, he probably wouldn't have hired you in retrospect if he could go back and, but you can't.
2: You're blowing my mind, Lee. Stop it. So, so Tom, you guys pulled uh, what I have always said, I've written this several times the ultimate TV head fake in the pilot episode. Because you made us think that Jaws Dino Dino Ortolani was going to be the main character or one of the main characters, and then you killed him. Right. <laughs> so, and it took me a long time to forgive you for that, uh, my man. So, uh, did you ever second guess that idea? Um, did you ever wonder about killing off a character that compelling in the first episode?
5: No, I, I'll tell you when when I met with Chris Albert. Uh, Al, uh, Pist-
2: Albert, yeah,
5: Albrecht, uh about uh the show and we were talking about how he wanted some he wanted a show you couldn't do on network television because you know oz was the first was the first hbo show so he um he said what's the one thing you've always wanted to do in a pilot that you've never been allowed to do and i said kill the lead character mm. and he said well let's do that then so <laughs> then it, then then it then it was my responsibility to make that character as uh, interesting and compelling as possible so that when he died, you really did feel it. But what I wanted to do was to say to the audience, this is not a show where you lean back in your chair. This is a show where you have to lean forward because all of these characters, all of them are in danger at any given moment. And that keeps, that I think kept the, energy of the show uh, alive the whole time is because you had no idea which which character was going to live. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story. The script would come out on the first day of prep. And you would see the actors going (laughs) like this. They'd be going like Are we dead? And then then they and they get to the end. They go, I'm alive. (laughs) I'm alive. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know hey, talk Tom. about influencing tv shows i heard that happened on the sopranos too yeah. you know um yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: there are very so, few wasn't shows there practic- wasn't there a practical matter uh, 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 with um with uh, that actor jo- john stater john right? uh, uh in killing him didn't you move him over to homicide yeah. yes
5: i I, I said to him, "I'm going to kill you on this show, but I'm going to put you on on a homicide." So he was fine either way. He got yeah, yeah. to get killed. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> if only the rest of us could have could have that. Um, so so Dean, uh, I heard a story that you were sit, considering
6: quitting acting
2: before you got the job on on uh, on Oz. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that?
6: Yeah, I I would I, you know I I did bartending for. 90s in new york and i worked in 17 bars and clubs. i got a job on a on a movie called the conspiracy theory with mel gibson and julia roberts and so i took a chance and i quit my job bartending and i shot half the movie in new york and then half in la and when i was in la i was we were shooting a warner brothers and um i was not i was i was not happy um they they, they gave me a different part than what i was told i was going to have and i was sitting around and i was bored and i didn't like it um and so i got i got really depressed and tom was visiting barry levinson on the set of wag the dog on uh, this on the, on the, on the sound stage next to the conspiracy theory so tom comes to my trailer and, and I, you know, I'm like, listen, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get my job back as a bartender. I'm better at that than this. And Tom goes, you know what, I'm doing this little kind of experiment with HBO. He goes, just hang in there, finish this movie, come back to New York. And then I came back to New York. And then six weeks later, we, we were on the set of Oz. But I was really considering I was I was going to leave the business after my first job. And then. That happened. Oh, I see. So that's my fault, too.
2: <laughs> yeah. We would have we would have never had the uh, the uh, anarchy guy or malice guy or <laughs> yeah, so, um, but and and Dean, you
6: also brought your your brother onto the show too. How did Probably. how did that happen? Well, so so what happened was uh, my brother Scott. So, so so Scott and I were bartenders, and Tom met us when, when we were bartending in, in 1991. And and uh, and Tom put me on homicide. He, they put Scott on homicide and then for do and Oz the plan was I'll bring in Dean first and then I'll bring in Scott second and one thing I want to say uh, alluding to what you were talking to about before about Tom doing things things for actors when I was growing up with Scott not to get too deep into it but when I was growing up with Scott Scott um, is 12 and a half months younger than I am but he was he was always my older brother right um and So I said to Tom, when Tom was going to bring Scott in, I was like, you know what? I really, I want, I want a chance to be Scott's older brother. Right. And so when Tom brought Scott in as Cyril, who was really just damaged. And so that was a chance for me as a man in, in, to, to be an older brother to my brother. Does that make any sense to you? And that was, that, that was a really, really beautiful thing. Um, and that was a real gift. So listening
2: to the actor and, and bringing those personal stories into the actual storyline. Yeah, yeah.
5: The, the other thing is uh, because, because I could get the, the more Winters brothers I could hire, I got them cheaper. <laughs> so I also hired uh, Brad. <laughs> Uh, right as a writer uh, another writer so
2: so did uh, you get did you get a special prize for like three of them yeah three, oh, uh, three for the price
5: of one absolutely. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah and and i would have and i would have hired their sister too if she'd been willing to to do the show but she wanted no part of it so.
8: <laughs> they call her the smart one <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> smart enough to steer clear of these knuckleheads so so harold um uh you know your character of course was a greek chorus for the show but as as dean also pointed out you know one of the rare examples of a character with uh, a disability who who has a starring role and so i was wondering um it, you must have felt a responsibility to get that authentically right and, and, and so what was it like sort of figuring out how to play that character and also um, making sure that you got it right? And, did, and was there any sort of reaction out in, in the world uh, when that character uh, hit television?
3: Uh, I think to this day, I think to mm-hmm. this day people still go, It's a miracle he can walk.
4: (laughs) Didn't they see the Matrix?
3: (laughs) What are we talking about? Did they watch Lost? (laughs) So many other things, and people still literally walking down the street doing that. Um, yeah, (laughs) Uh, I gotta admit, I would probably
2: do that too if I saw
3: you. (laughs) 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 Funny. Um, but yeah, it was, I felt a real responsibility to figure it out. And Tom and I talked about it paraplegic, whatever, and the, the idea that it was. And I went out to some, a bunch of different homes and talked to people and like, they let some people let me sit around and watch people like in, in physical therapy and all that stuff. And then I figured it out. And I don't know if I had this conversation with Tom in my head, I think I did, but I may not have had it with you, Tom. So forgive me. Um, but because it was the, the first, um, you know, hour-long drama on HBO, and there were no commercial breaks, um, I remember feeling the responsibility to be entertaining like the commercial breaks, uh, you know, like like giving you a break right. from all the crazy action that was happening here. So while all the stuff was shut off beneath me, I felt a real, you know, need to do all the other stuff to keep you, like, engaged, in a, but, like, break your attention from, you know, somebody whose dick just got bit off or, or whatever, or their neck got snapped <laughs> or whatever, whatever happened, you know. Face got shot like, whatever. <laughs> <competition>, um. <laughs> You're doing <laughs> but, it right now. He's doing it
5: right now. So, he <laughs> is, oh my God, really God, I feel like I'm watching um, it. I, I, I want to say this about Harold. We would shoot all of, for uh, each episode, we would shoot all of his monologues on the same day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, he had pages of monologues to learn and i have to say he was letter perfect 99% of the time we would have been we would have been in a quicksand if um if he hadn't been such a pro and so and knew what he wanted to do and and just and you know did what he was saying because i always thought of those monologues as not as a commercial break but as a way to um, to move away from the relentlessness of the, of the show. Um, and, and, and Harold was just awesome shoot when we would shoot them. And then when he went off to do some little movie... Mate, mate, Matey, Matrix, which which Tom graciously um, let me go and do. That guy, Kenny Reeves, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, we, you know, and and then we had to fill in, we had to fill in, uh, with other people, And, and everybody was great, everybody was terrific. But, um, but then Harold came back for the end, uh, and, uh, it was, he went boom right back into it. He was, he was just, uh, yeah, it was
3: great. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. So what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> I wanted to ask you
2: about being stuck in that plastic box that <laughs> it seemed like they twisted you every which way. Uh, I mean, when you were doing
3: those. I remember when they were explaining that to me, Darnell had gone to like MoMA or something. She's like, i got this idea. It's a box moves and turns and that first year we moved and turned and did all the stuff and then the next year the box sat there <laughs> nothing oh, nothing
5: oh, not, not only that not only that but be, uh, the fucking things made so much noise turning That's that you had to <laughs> constantly have to uh, to loop all of your dialogue all of it. the thing would make so much noise but so it was like,
8: perfectly
5: <laughs> <laughs> The one thing is, though, every director after uh, the first episode said, do I have to use the box? And the <laughs> box had cost, it had cost so much money to build that I, I promised our line producer, Jim Finnerty, that he could amortize the box for the life of the series. And so I said to every director, yes, you have to use the box. And I don't know, I forget which director it was, maybe it was you, Terry, where there was this much of the box in the shot. That was me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
4: but but also, I mean, that it caused the directors great a- anxiety. But it also caused the directors like uh, a, to use their imagination in a way that, if the rest of the show was anchored in basically realism, um, this is where you could break the tenets of realism and. You know, you talk about Harold memorizing these things. When when I directed the second time, I used the box as a huge uh, lottery spinning thing with these giant lottery balls hitting him in the head, et cetera. And he had a monologue, and he didn't miss a single line. And he was spinning upside down and sideways, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So yes, he had to loop the whole thing, Uh, but ultimately he he was spot on and nothing could shake him from, from that task. Yeah. Yeah. Focus. And, and I'll also say this, I, every director,
5: I would say to every director, when, when it comes to the monologues with, with uh, Harold, you can do anything you want as long as it's, you know, uh, as long as it's (laughs) really got some, some beautiful energy to it. And then they would come to me and they'd go, all right, I want to lay out what I'm going to do. And I'd go, no, surprise me. And there were, and, and and again, most of the time, I go the day that we were shooting the monologue, I go on the set and I go, "Oh my God, this is fucking genius." And then every once in a while, I would go, "Why did I say I don't want <laughs> to?" But but actually, Kathy Bates when she directed had two versions. She had two versions because she was like, "I'm just gonna make sure I cover my ass," and and, and at least one of them Tom will like.
2: So. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that I mean, and that brings up something that I wanted to talk about, because, you know, of course, you guys had an amazing cast, not just the guys who are with us, but uh, J.K. Simmons and Rita Moreno and Edie Falco and, and, and um, uh, Ernie Hudson, you know, just a, a, a sterling cast. But you also had a lot of amazing directors. You had Matt Dillon and Steve Buscemi and Kathy Bates and Chaz Palminteri, Brian Cox. Is that the Brian Cox that we know from Secession yep. directed you guys? Yeah. Wow. So, so how did you get um, so many well-known directors to work on the show?
6: Can I tell a story, Tom? Yeah, go ahead. A good friend of ours, a writer named Noel Ben, who passed away in 1998. He's the reason why I, how I met Tom. Um, at his, at his uh, funeral reception at Elaine's, um, I'm sitting at a table with uh, Chaz Palminteri, and Matt Dillon and Ben Gazzara, and we're all and we're all drinking, and 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 and, and Chaz is like, yeah, that that show you guys are doing is really amazing, and 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 Matt's like, yeah, he goes, man, it's really really good, and me speaking for Tom, I go, hey, you guys should direct Oz, and they're like, how's that going to happen? I go, I'll talk to Tom. <laughs> Cut to the next day. The next day. Chaz and Matt called Tom, and boom, like, the next time we were shooting, I think it was the, uh, I forget what season it was, uh, the, the, they were on set shooting. Wow. I'll tell, you, I'll
5: tell you a funny thing that Chaz said to me the week that the, uh, when he was done shooting his episode. I said to him, because he'd never directed before, and I said, Chaz, and I'd known Chaz for years, I said, Chaz, what's the, what's the one thing you're walking away from this experience, directing for the first time? And he said, I will, I, when I'm acting, I will never keep a director waiting again.
7: <laughs> mm. I, have, I have a chest story. Oh, yeah. So, uh, first shot in the morning, it's like 6 a.m. I got to be in the shower, butt naked, and get into a fist fight. So, <laughs> We had no hot like water. Like any
4: other day for you. I was going to say, so like a Tuesday. <laughs> you
7: know, Tom, Tom was on a budget, so the showers, we had no hot water. They were cold. Just cold water came out. And so it's Luis Guzman comes into the scene and starts some shit with me. And so it's just for Chaz's first day. And Chaz directs like the characters he acts. So I'm in there. And Luis Guzman is like cracking jokes on, 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 on my close ups. And I'm just dying laughing, it's Luis Guzman is hysterical. And then Chaz comes in, hey, cut, cut. Hey guys, come on, be professional here. Be professional, we're professional. Okay, come on, get it together. And I'm like, this motherfucker's making that, we keep on doing it. Chaz gets angrier and angrier. And then finally Luis goes, yo Chaz man, Calm the fuck down. Can't you see? He's really cold and he's pointing at my penis. <laughs> Can't you see? He's really cold. And, and the crew just died laughing, <laughs> except for Chad. <Jack. laughs> <laughs> it's like to be angry and angry. So that's our nice story. Kirk,
6: tell and me. And then the next day, uh, and then the next
2: day he found a dead horse's head in
6: his, in his, uh, Kirk, Kirk, tell them, tell them how Matt Dillon directed you. (laughs) So,
7: so, uh, I I love how how Matt Dillon directs and Matt Dillon's fucking brilliant. So Matt, you know, Matt would just come in there and it's like, so I'm in the scene in solitary and, uh, I gotta eat some shit out of the toilet and and then freak out and scream and all this shit. So I compare Matt Dillon to like Terrence Malick. So Terrence Malick would go, okay, you're dying, you're 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 going off into the abyss, into this deep black hole, and you're sharing your soul. And then Matt cuts to Matt Dillon two years later. It's like, guess, all right, you go in there, kid, and you just like fucking and just fucking do it. But both. This is the thing that both directions. I understand
4: they both work. (laughs) So
7: I love. I love. But you
4: know we shoot very fast as well. And on uh, one of Matt's first days, we had a a DP uh, uh, who became one of our greatest directors. You know, one of our most frequent directors, and just really. Captured the show beautifully, which is Alex Chesevsky. And Alex is no nonsense Polish director. Come on, baby, come on. You know, and and so he's put the camera up, and oh, so we are he's rehearsing. Very loving. He's not just come on, come on. He's very loving too. Oh, he's <laughs> incredibly loving, man. I'm so sorry I didn't communicate that effectively. For okay. <laughs> so you, Lee. Wow, Lee um, now giving Terry
5: direction. Well, I don't
8: know. Uh, I it's, Alex it's, it started circle. so sweet and it loving in the moment. Mike. He was very there with you, right?
4: He it's was like he's about movie. to sh- it's
2: like it's like he's about to shank McManus. It's great. Go <laughs> ahead.
4: <laughs> so so Alex is there and he's kind of setting lights, etc. And Matt hasn't directed before, but you know, he's very, very enthusiastic. And the actors are just in the cell. And they're milling around and they're talking to each other. And he goes, Alex, Alex, Alex. I like to, I like to roll on just like behavior, you know, get behavior in the room. I like to just roll on it. I like to roll on it and get it, because some of it could be useful. And um, and Alex goes, Whatever, baby, we'll make it happen for you. <laughs> None <laughs> of it did happen, of <laughs> course. We were shooting twelve pages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have time or for that, baby. Baby. <laughs> Okay, baby. That, that, that's running. awesome.
2: That's awesome. So, so uh, what's interesting to me? Um, the the war on drugs is going to hit its fiftieth anniversary this year, believe it or not. Oh. And um, and and I'm wondering if you think that Oz at all helped contribute. To the changing perception of the war on drugs, because it feels like there was a time when we thought cracking down on criminals was the way to get out of this problem with addiction, and now we're in a much different place. Uh, and I was just wondering, Tom in particular, but any of you guys, what what you thought about that?
5: Uh, I'm going to defer to the to the other guys because when when we get to questions like that, I don't. I always like. Uh, I don't I, My answer is I have no clue, but I'd love to hear what else has to say.
2: Anybody else want to take that?
3: Please. Well, I I don't, I don't know about uh, uh, drugs, but I know this idea of prison reform is really, really interesting. Again, this is a conversation that I'm quite sure that I've had with Tom. Um, and where we talked about like the violence of the show and, and stuff like that, um, and how the violence isn't um, the moment somebody gets stabbed. It is the moment they get stabbed, the reaction of the person stabbing, the person getting stabbed, the next day after they stabbed them, two weeks after they stabbed them, how that compounds and pounds. Because the violence isn't just the moment, it is all the things that take place after it. And I think um, uh, one of those things that we find out in prison reform is that you don't go in prison and then the shit just gets better. And I think Oz really is one of those, one of those pieces that really shed a light on, and it may have you know been directly impactful to uh, the war on drugs, but I think it was really impactful to our consideration of what we're doing with prisons and what we're doing with prisoners, and, and I think led to lots of ideas about prison reform. I, I think mm-hmm. McMahon has talked about it all the time. I think you keep seeing the, you know how prison is informed by the outside world, and the outside world is informed by prison, how you can't escape it, how you can't just you know treat people away and then suddenly magically your problems are gone and so right. uh, maybe the war on drugs but definitely definitely had an impact i think on our society as a whole uh, about how we how we treat prison and people in prison
8: but i don't I know you know this was stuff that i was going to say uh, before about harold's monologues which was as crazy and weird as he the the, the truth that was in those monologues about human behavior and the way we Mm. hurt each other and and why we do it. It was just, I mean, I think that's more, you know, for me, that's where all the truth was in this show. You know, you would see these people killing each other, like everybody kills everybody in this world. And and so, yeah, I think Mm. it's, I don't know if that really answers your question, but.
6: uh, It It actually does. There was, there was a, um, I think my my favorite Harold moment in the in the box. Where did
8: Harold uh, go? I, I, think
3: I, I think
6: he had the, <laughs> C- I the, the box.
8: I love the box, <laughs> <There you laughs> I, I love the box, Harold. I love the box. There you
6: are. I love the box, Harold. I love the box. Don't ever go away. No, I, I, but I, I, but my my favorite Harold moment in the box. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think Chaz directed it. I think my brother Brad wrote the monologue, and it was when you had a little child dressed as Cleopatra Mm -hmm. in the box, remember that? Yeah. I remember watching you film that, and I literally broke down crying. I was so blown away by just like the words, the direction, the way the box looked, and it was just so like, it was like, it was just like a little slice of magic watching that and then seeing the final version on the screen of, of course, but I remember that day just being completely like blown out of my socks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reveal something I've never
5: revealed before, which is that God. the only time, you know, you get up at 5 a.m. and you write this stuff. And um, the only time I cried writing a scene was when uh, Augustus Hill died. I literally I literally wrote I literally wrote it and I started crying because I loved the characters so much mm-hmm. and um, and, it, and it and and I and I can say that in front of all these guys cuz they all live to the end of the series so it it, it won't affect them uh, but um, but the, it's the absolute truth I mean 6 years I wrote the show I cried once and that was when Augustus Hill
4: I it killed me to kill him. Yeah. And now it's your memorial, Harold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, memorial to your, but, but Erica, in terms of the drug culture, et cetera, you know, this whole just say no thing, which should have always been just say, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Depending on the circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to see entire human beings with the full range of character and nuance, uh with the full uh, with a mother and a father and you know uh, people human beings that go in and they are not the uh, it, it's not a zero sum game you know it's not just say no it's not you're just an addict you're you're a person and something has uh, taken over you 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 become one with a complex that makes you uh need this thing and you know i think that the show addressed that very fully, uh, where where their addictions not only uh, had you know they had access to them in this environment, but also they had help there if they needed it. So you got to see both sides of the issue. You got to see the compassion, and you got to see the the pull of the drug. So I think uh, you know I think people did I think people did uh, change the way that they saw it. Uh, it changed so much. Tom said at the beginning that it didn't. And all these guys have been very articulate about why, why it did. But one of the things this show pioneered was creating full people that have a great range of ugliness in them as well. The the ugliness that we don't get to see in the television universe, that we always were able to access the risk-taking and the, you know, the bloodshed that American theater uh, could have, Tom brought that to the, to the television, you know? Yeah.
2: I always thought this idea of humanizing the types of characters that were normally either stereotyped or even just ignored in media was really important. This idea of like, if you live in a neighborhood where you're dealing with a lot of people who've been in jail, you know, they're human. But when you see those kinds of people in film and TV, they they they're never depicted that way. And and Oz to me felt like one of the first shows that reached me, where the prisoners were humanized, and yeah. and and you understood why they were doing what they were doing, and that you know some in many cases they were very terrible people, but they were also human too, and uh, and that to me is the greatest legacy of the show. Um, and, you know critics talk a lot about the wire and david simon's writing being about talking about systems but i also felt like oz did that too talked about in particular uh the the way it can seem futile to try and rehabilitate prisoners in this broken penal system and i was just wondering uh, again tom particularly for you if if that was an element of what you were talking about in Oz, or what you what you wanted to talk about when you got this idea to create this drama,
5: yeah, I, I mean, I've told I've told this this story before, but when I was when I was a teenager, uh, the riots in Attica happened, and uh, Attica isn't that far from Buffalo, where I was where I was born, and uh, I, I remember because it, because the the whole thing lasted. For long enough for it to really register and have an impact on me. First of all, going like, well, why are they rioting? What's wrong? What's wrong that they would have to riot? And then when the governor sent in the, the not everybody, uh, not, just, not just the prisoners, but the but the COs as well, I was like, well, wait a minute, what what is that? <laughs> what is going on here? And Attica always stayed with me uh, over the over the course of my uh, of my writing career, and uh, when we were doing Homicide, I I we, I actually wrote an episode um, that that Dean was in um, uh, about a riot at, at, in Baltimore at a prison in Baltimore that I always in my mind think of as the sort of pilot for Oz because. Um, uh Rock Dutton was in it and it was it, it, it and and it was really um it uh, started me really thinking about how can I tell this story uh uh not the Attica story per se but the but the lives put put faces on the faceless you know and um and and so um so that's really was part of my mission i wasn't i wasn't looking so much to say um you know uh, uh to make a choice between retribution and redemption, because I think in life they always go hand in hand um you know um but to to say these are these these are people who need to be um, uh, looked at in a in an honest way in an authentic way in order for them to um in order for us to go wait a minute i I recognize. I recognize myself in some of that character or some of that character.
2: That makes sense. Well, hey guys, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time. And frankly, I could talk to you all day about this. Uh, As you can tell, I'm a huge fan of the show, but I wanna ask one final question. Um, All of you don't have to answer it, but it'd be great if some of you could. Um, we've talked a little bit about the legacy of the show for television. I'm wondering what the legacy of the show has been for you personally. What did you get out of doing Oz besides, you know, a paycheck and a nice role uh, and, and has it continued to resonate in your life? You know, almost 20 years after the show's been on the air. Um, does anyone want to take that first?
6: I, I'll, I'll say something really quick uh, because Oz, Oz was, was really my first, you know, my my first series. It was really like going back to school. Um, it taught me how to be a professional actor, uh, really, um, and just really, you know, be on point. Because the the way that Tom Fontana and his uh, his co-producer uh, Jim Finerty ran that ran that ship. You know, I mean, it was really just like a real education as to how to be a you know a pro. But also, for me, it was like, you know, Oz was like theater, right? I think we all came from the theater. And it really, Oz taught me the, the importance of collaboration. That it's, never, it's, not about, it's not about you, right? It's not about you. It's about everyone around you. Actors, the, the, the grips, the electricians, the caterers, everybody. It's, a, you know, it's about the whole environment. And that was something that was new to me. And I've taken that and I've ran with that, so. Yeah.
2: Anyone else?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, our friendships are very, very intact as you can see, you know, we, we, we keep up with each other. We, we genuinely love each other. And that came from all these intense storylines, all of this, you know, uh, drama. You know, very very compacted drama every week. Mostly, we laughed our asses off all <laughs> yeah. of the time, and yeah. we uh, we hung out with each other during off hours. What it taught me was that you can first make a family, and then you can create something great. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll jump on what Terry was saying too. Uh, you know, one of the things that that, you know, it's hard to find. And I don't think I'll ever get the opportunity again is that camaraderie and, and that family and, and uh, trust. You know, everyone had each other's backs. We, they, we were rooting for each other to succeed in the scenes. That doesn't happen on TV shows and on movies. Most people want you to fail. So th- th- it was such a collaboration. And, you know, and to this day, I tell everyone, I've told other showrunners, and it might have pissed them off. I tell <laughs> our writers, I say, if you ever have the opportunity to work for Tom Fontaine, you run. <laughs> you run. I mean, it's for, for me, it, you know, I've been doing this 25 years. It was the best five, six years of my life working on the show but bar none and i look forward to the day i get to work with that motherfucker again
3: (laughs) (laughs) Lee you got
8: anything
3: you
2: want to add I
8: was just going to say the fact you know the characters and the depth to which you could go into these characters and how it was always evolving it you know it's And that you were working with people that you really trusted and you knew there was no bullshit, you know, which is what everybody is saying. You know, it's like it was scary because we were really, you know, on the edge, but it was exciting. And it was, you know, to be to get to say those words, it's just live those lives, which, you know it was amazing. It was, you know, yeah. Yeah. It changed who I was as an
3: actor for me, hands down, hands down the best experience I've ever had in, uh, in, 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 in the television and film space. And, you know, I, 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 I give all that praise to Tom, the way that the way that your show is helmed is the way that it will go, you know, all, all the way through. And like Terry said, we laughed and I don't think if any of us, took the show as preciously as as we're retelling it that it would have been <laughs> as good like we were there having fun having a great time but being professionals and learning and sometimes we fucked up and sometimes we didn't but you know we were part of a team and we always were made to feel like part of that team by our, our helmer and like it is hands down the best experience i've ever had that i try to take with every to every set with me sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but I really do. I I, I I couldn't be more grateful and consider myself more lucky than to have been on this show uh, in, in my lifetime. Like, I didn't even know what number one on the call sheet was when I left. I think I was number one on the call sheet once before I didn't even know. And, then, and I got someplace and somebody's like, well, he's number one on the call sheet. And I was like, well, I, I'm not exactly sure what that means. he's so used to being part of this collaborative team. Like, it didn't, it's never made a difference. And Every place else it seems to be important. I don't know exactly why mm-hmm. still. <laughs> so uh,
2: so Tom, rest assured we're gonna save all this footage. So when you die, we when just run... <laughs> <laughs>
8: scratched
2: like
5: no, man, We've got a ready-made memorial. Right now. I, 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 now. I'm so happy. I'm so happy I was here to hear this. So um, yeah. I do have one little commercial I have to do. Um, yeah. during <laughs> the during the uh, during the, uh, uh, right after the lockdown ended in New York City, um, Lee and um, Dean and I made a little movie, uh, which, we, which we call Zo, Z-O, and uh, they're gonna show it as part of the, uh, the uh, festival here. Um, and it, I think it will appeal to um, Oz uh, fans, and if it's successful, um, at least Kirk and Terry will be a part of a future episode. Unfortunately, Harold B- Harold's character being dead be harder to get him in, but- um, Have but you anyway, seen This Is Us? It's
3: possible.
5: It's, it's, <laughs> it's a ghost. <laughs> well, but if, um, if people have a chance to check it out, it's short, I think it's only 15 minutes, um, uh, but it'll- um, it conjures up, uh, the old days of Oz.
2: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that, Tom. I'm sorry. I, I, I meant to mention that too, and I forgot, oh, but definitely check, check that out. And, uh, so much thanks to you guys, man. Uh, I don't, I don't want to gush, but, uh, when Oz came on, it, it showed me how good television can be and got me excited about covering it as a, as a journalist. So I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of all your work and particularly of the show. So many thanks to creator, writer, and executive producer, Tom Fontana, uh, Terry Kinney, Lee Turguson, Dean Winters, Harold Perrineau, and Kirk Acevedo. Guys, thank you so much for joining us yeah. at the ATX Festival. And yeah. we hope uh, that you out there have enjoyed this conversation with uh, the cast and creator of Oz.
0: Thank you for listening to ATX-TV's original series, The TV Campfire. To watch these panels and more, please visit youtube.com backslash For details on the festival, go to atxfestival.com. And information on our membership program can be found at atxfestival.com backslash membership. Follow us at ATX Festival on all social media. As always, please rate and review. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening and a simple click or brief comment can help us grow and have other TV lovers like yourselves find us. Feels like enough information, right? Yep. Till next time, keep watching TV.